You are listening to a new episode of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. This week, we're talking about a console you should pick up, games you should play on it, and all this for under $150 in this week's Starter Kit Showdown. So this week, we are going to be reviewing the Nintendo DS. I'm not really reviewing, but kind of talking about it, our experiences with it, the history of the Nintendo DS, a little tidbit on that, and uh, jumping into a bunch of games that we feel are worth the price point to kind of give you a nice little bundle to start out Me with. Me and John are each going to pitch you a $150 price tag at How to Be Happy, and you're going to tell us who did it best. Based on uh, today's prices, on the day of this recording, of course. Uh, now... If you haven't heard any of our prior Collecting on a Budget episodes, go back and listen to them. I think we've got, what, Nintendo on there, if I'm correct. we got Game Boy, PlayStation. I think we did Sega. We've got a whole bunch. Go do yeah. it. Go check them out. I think we even did a PS1, 2, and 3, and 4. I yeah, say. I think we did 4, actually. Yeah, we did, like... We're going to run out of consoles eventually, but not at this rate. Yeah, I mean, there, there's tons of consoles out there. We'll see. Maybe we'll have to do Atari one of these days. E.T., just lots of E.T. games. Get five copies of E.T. and you're good. <laughs> uh, but start off with this, Ryan, if you want to jump into a little bit of the history of the Nintendo DS. Okay, so the Nintendo DS uh, launched back in November 21st, 2004, at least in the U.S. I mean, it came out pretty much that same you know, holiday season for most of the world. I launched in the U.S. with a price point of $149.99. Uh, I did look up the entire launch lineup, but there was a bunch of games on there that weren't released in the U.S. So here's the U.S. launch lineup. We had Asphalt Urban GT, Feel the Magic XYXX, Madden NFL 2005, Metroid Prime Hunters First Hunt, Spider-Man 2, Super Mario 64 DS, and The Herbs, Sims in the City. I, I think that when the DS launched, um, people were really ready for it. People were really ready to see, you know, a, a portable 3D-centered console, you know, beyond what we'd seen, like, you know, we'd seen some minor 3D stuff kind of going on the GBA, but it was never really intended for this. And then getting that, you know, Super Mario 64 in your hands and then, you know, the integration with touchscreen, like this was pre-iPhone, you know, the iPhone wasn't out yet. People wanted the DS to have this touch interface and I think it really did a lot for moving technology forward in that way and getting a whole generation kind of adapted and ready to go for it. I mean, you know, stylus palm pilots had been a thing before and I think, you know, the the flip to close and just like, oop, everything's on pause, power saving mode. Uh, the stylus, like it really felt like as a kid, like this was my first console that was like a piece of tech. You know, it wasn't just like a toy, like a Game Boy always was still kind of a toy. And this had a lot more going on with it, I think. And I think that um, it changed a lot. I mean, it's like one of the best selling consoles of all time. Well, yeah, and then coupled with the, the 2DS and the 3DS and the, the new DSs, DS lights, like all of that stuff, like coupled together, it has been the most successful handheld in history. 
I okay, mean, Nintendo DS family, 154.02 million. Yep. That's just under the 155 million for the PS2. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Nintendo's always been king of mobile based. I mean, not mo- mobile has a whole different connotation now. Yeah, it does. Portable gaming. And, uh, you know, the Nintendo DS really showed their dominance of that space. I mean, when the PSP came out, I mean, it just domestically here in the U.S. could not compete against the numbers that Nintendo put out and the quality of the properties. Like, there's so much shovelware garbage on the DS, but there's also a lot of really tight, good stuff. Well, and, you know, I think I brought it up in the past. I went from Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance SP, then to the Nintendo DS Lite, because I didn't actually own, like, a regular DS. I went to a DS Lite immediately. But, you know, a huge part of that for me, and one of the reasons I got into that was just the backwards compatibility function. Being able Mm -hmm. to play both your DS games and your Game Boy Advance games was, like, a huge thing for me uh, back then. And, you know, I agree with you, man. Like, the tech, it was... It was new. It was fresh. It uh, it did have like the power save type feature ability to flip it. There wasn't. I think uh, the PSP at that time was actually having uh, pixel dead pixel issues on their screen. So they ended up having to release like the future versions, like the PSP like two thousand, three thousand uh, after the fact. So even I was like anti PSP back when this game system came out. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's just from a history standpoint. I think that it really revolutionized how we look at handhelds uh, nowadays and was of course a precursor of things like the Wii U and the Switch and you know having you that like mobile experience. You could see the design aesthetic from the DS, how it carried forward and, and really set Nintendo up for a whole decade's worth of yeah. you know improvements and stuff. Like I had every DS, I think. I had the original DS. I definitely had a light. I definitely had an eye. I definitely had a a launch 3DS, I think was my last DS that I have. Um, I never got one after that. But like the evolution of it to go from like, I mean, the first one, I know I said, you know, felt like a first real tech. Like the first one, still very toy-like, you know. It had like, I always remember the blue one and the red one. They're bulky and they had like the two-tone with like the silver and then the red or the blue. But like once you got into like the DS light. And it was just that, you know, white, clean lines, smooth edges. And then, like, uh, something about the way that teal looked on the DSi and the camera on the outside. I mean, they really started to become something. And, I mean, they're always so good at advertising in magazines. I always remember, like, the PSP magazines where it was, like, a different color PSP for everybody. You know, and it was a stylish thing. But, like, I feel like the... The DS later, I mean, like, you know, especially when you would see somebody who was like, you know, an adult and then they open it sideways because they're playing brain age and it plays in like portrait mode instead of landscape mode. And it's like, wow, that's that's sophisticated piece of tech you got there, man. (laughs) Nowadays, not so much. Right. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, there's nothing elegant about pulling out a switch. Yeah, that's true. Now it's, it's, it's a like whole my, different aesthetic. It's just how big can we get the screen? Oh my god, yeah, that, that's very true, actually, dude. Like my phone is like stupid size. Um, so I guess history of the console, you know, 
for me, you know, like I said, I, I jumped into the DS Lite directly, not the regular DS. I'd never got a DSi. I don't even think I own a DSi still. And then jumped into like the 3DS later on, which is time would be another episode actually for us to talk about collecting on a budget for 3DS. But um, as far as so this game was concerned, that my, was in 2006. What the 3DS or the light? The light, yeah. So you you were a couple years in by the time you got in. Yeah. So a lot of games already available at that point. I didn't do like a ton of buying. Like I bought the few games I would play on there. Uh, like I think I had Final Fantasy uh, whenever that was released uh, on the console. Uh, I want to say New Super Mario Bros. I got Sonic as well. Um, and you know what? Now that I think about it, it wasn't even 2006 that I picked it up. I picked it up much later on uh, because it would have been at the game shop. So probably about 2011 is when I actually picked up my first DS and wow. really started to play. Yeah. So, dude, like handhelds kind of... I didn't even buy a PSP until later, like way later. Like, I don't think I got my PSP until after I, that console. I definitely got PSP at launch. I definitely got, I think I got 3D or the Nintendo DS at Christmas. You know what it was? Is my sister had a DS when I was in high school. Mm. And so we would we would play, we would buy games. And when my sister wasn't playing, we'd play on hers. Because my there brother and I just didn't want to buy one because we were playing PlayStation yeah. 2 and PlayStation 3. So there was no point for us to buy one if our sister did. So she would go to sleep in the car on the way home and my brother and I would like take turns playing yeah. games. And so I remember, though, there was a number of times where we would like forget everything, like our games, and we'd be playing Cooking Mama yeah. on there. Just like enjoying that and that, even that was fun dude just playing stuff like that on that console but that's what we did like throughout those early years of a ds we'd play her console i think my brother ended up getting one at some point um but i predominantly played via the game boy advance at that point because i had a lot of mm -hmm. other games that i enjoyed like golden sun and uh what was the other one uh final fantasy tactics advance yeah uh so those were games that i consistently played on my console and then uh, we split time on the ds itself uh, but yeah, so I've got a number of the games like uh, on my list are actually games that I had picked up over the years as well as when I worked at the game shop. Well, and not to get into it just yet, but I picked those up specifically because I was teaching at the time uh, after college. Mm -hmm. And so I there were times where there were breaks. Like you would go to high schools and some of the high schools had an hour and a half break and I'm sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. So it was like, I got to have something. So I, I bought a number of games I would just play at the school or during breaks when mm -hmm. the kids were off at recess or lunch or whatever it may be. That's what I did. And so I, I specifically bought a DS at that time to be able to do things like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was my history with it, man. And even today, there's some games I'll play occasionally on the DS, but I don't play it too often just because... I just frankly don't have enough time to like sit back and play a handheld, uh, even though I play on my phone all day, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Uh, maybe I should play a DS. Well, maybe I should dive into some titles. What do you think about like what the DS brought as far as, like you were saying, you know, you'd forget your games and you and your brother would still have fun playing Cooking Mama. But like Cooking Mama... Um, Nintendogs. Uh, I guess Nintendogs to some extent... Brain Age, um, I guess maybe to some extent, like Professor Layton, like there was a lot of stuff on Nintendo that was kind of like, hey, let's let's bring in some other things. Like maybe not everything has to explicitly be as game, 
you know, we can definitely, I think like Sudoku and Pacross probably took off again yeah. uh, from that kind of console. Like, you know, it really started to try to approach other people who maybe weren't into gaming as much and get them in. But like that also kind of spun off into, you know, um, like downloadable mini games and essentially apps kind of starting with the DS. And like we said before, you know, kind of pre iPhone stuff, a lot of this was really forward thinking. And I think that, you know, Nintendo's willingness to always try new things and integrate new things like, you know, this is why this was so wildly successful because it wasn't just like, all right, we've got a PSP. Uh, let's, we need a fighting game for launch. Let's put Darkstalkers on there. And, you know, you got to A, find somebody else that has a PSP. B, overcome the lag of early 2000s Wi-Fi to be able to play that game with somebody else multiplayer. Like, you know, we don't see a fighting game on the launch lineup here. Well, I don't think, I don't think you, uh, God, I might be wrong here, but couldn't you play multiple DSs together without Wi-Fi? I could have sworn that they could connect I think so. I think that you can do like local multiplayer with them. And so I believe I remember my brother and I playing without Mario even like Kart. a cable. Yeah. I believe my brother and I, I mean, this is without me looking into like deeper, deeper into history and just kind of going off memory, but I'm pretty sure my brother and I would actually play Mario Kart uh, via that way. And I don't think each person had to have a game. I think I you think could just not. link in. Yeah. I think you were able to just link in directly. Uh, as long as you were connected, you could play in that person's game as I think you uh, do that shy Star guy. Fox too. I don't remember Star Fox doing that, but we didn't have it. But I think you would play a shy guy, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. and you would just race yeah. in Mario Kart, and that's we would do that too. Because my brother, yeah, he did eventually get a DS, so that's how that worked out. Um, yeah, I eventually got my first Wi-Fi. Did you ever have like the little white Nintendo Wi-Fi stick? No, never got one. Yeah, we never had Wi-Fi at our house, like, at the time. Like, it was still really new. So I was like, you could go to the store and get this, like, thing that you just plug into your computer and it puts your internet in the air so that you could hook your DS up. I think I even used it for my Wii, maybe, when that launched, too. But it's like, you know, in some ways, Nintendo's always been so behind the ball on online stuff but they've always been so like creative on getting people connected like i mean they tried their hardest to get you and four friends and four game boy advances and a gamecube and 18 cables all into a room together to play one mediocre multiplayer game yeah and then they were like okay we're gonna scrap all that you don't even need a game just bring your console your friends got his you guys can hook up we don't even know what Wi-Fi is, but here's this. It's like, how did that same forward-thinking Nintendo get so behind the ball moving forward? They just never evolved past friend codes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of like Nintendo historically was always one of the most innovative companies out there. But I think you're right. I think they have kind of dropped the ball. Over. They've gotten complacent, I feel. Like the Switch, yeah, the Switch is cool, but... Is it anything super unique? Not really, because it's basically a Wii U that can go into dock mode and get off of dock mode. Yeah. You know, like it's not super innovative when you think about it in that respect. The uh, the Joy Cons, I mean, they already were doing that with the Wii, you know, with the uh, the controllers and obviously it's a different, you know, methodology being able to like 
use the controllers. You don't have to have the infrared set up and everything. But, you know, there's a lot of things that have been done historically, like, you know, VR type stuff. If when they did Labo, like is Labo innovative? No. I mean, it's literally cardboard I boxes. Mean, it's, it's innovative. It's, yeah, it's stupid. It's not even cool. Uh, yeah, I don't, dude, it's so poor selling. Like it's, it's just terrible. I wonder if like sealed labos are going to go for like a lot of money in the future. Probably. Same because they're like, not going to hold up well. Like you're not going to put it together and then be able to resell it for very yeah. much. Yeah. I can see them going for a lot of money down the road, but you know, we screwed I, up John. I do think that they are. Yeah. Maybe we both screwed up cause they were on like investing cardboard, investing cardboard. Yeah. Cardboard's going up. Stocks rising. Uh, I think overall, though, you know, they have kind of lost a step over the years, and uh, we'll see, man, with their next console, what happens. Uh, but so, what are some like standout titles? Yeah, for me, um, God, man, Cooking Mama, of course, is like top of the list on standout titles. Like I remember playing that a lot. Nintendogs is a standout title for me, as dumb as it may sound. Uh, Mario Kart DS for sure. Um, and I'm trying to think of a couple others. Uh, Obviously, Pokemon. I mean, we oh, had the yeah. first real good remakes with Soul Silver and Heart Gold. But you know what? I still, I know. Actually, you know, what? I think I lost my Pokemon pedometer a couple years ago because I was still using it every so often. Those were great. Um, but see, I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing Pokemon. So I stopped playing Pokemon. You know, as we said several times in here, I stopped playing at a uh, Silver. Oh, I so, I played a lot of the DS ones, and I still own them. And even though they're the ones that I've probably like finished, not I guess not played the least because all the newer ones I've played less. Yeah, but they, I mean, Pokemon really came into itself as like you know the art evolved and the expressiveness evolved, and they added more types and they grew the world. Like there was a really good time for Pokemon on the DS, and I feel like it just it plateaued there and then never kept going until i mean arceus is out next month we'll see how that goes Archaos, whatever Archaos, because it's arc and chaos uh yeah dude i actually need to pick that one up uh oddly enough i really want to play that but you know nintendogs like i said cooking mama being another one i wouldn't count pokemon for myself because i just never really played pokemon back then um i personally had a few exposures to things that i'd never really played before elsewhere uh, like Resident Evil Deadly Silence, uh, the remake of RE1 for uh, DS. That was something I'd never played or RE game. And, you know, I checked that out. I didn't get very far. I don't think I really liked it very much. Uh, maybe going back now, I would appreciate it more. Yeah, that's the um, thing. Like a lot of those games I just didn't appreciate back then or just still don't like, you know, the visuals of it. But New Super Mario Bros. would be another one. And then uh, Mario Kart DS would be another, like a fourth, yeah. uh, like standout titles. Ones that I like actually played. Uh, I could probably say Mario Party on there because um, we did, my sister actually ended up buying that. So we did play some Mario Party quite a bit. And it, it just, it's good. It's just not like playing it on the N64 yeah. to GameCube, obviously. I think uh, I never played Castlevania until I played Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow on Nintendo DS. And I really dug that game. I mean, that got me into Castlevania. Uh, I haven't played like a ton of Castlevanias or anything. I I don't know where I've got this idea. Like I'm this big Castlevania buff, but like I like the genre a lot. And that's what really got me into it. They had some really good. There were some really good releases in a lot of franchises on the DS that really like, I mean, Phoenix Wright is a huge thing now, you know, and like people love that on DS. 
Um, let's see. I mean, we already talked about like Brain Age and like some of those more utility type games. Um, well, let's uh, let's dive into you know the games that we would consider our to be showdown. like. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like where you landed on yours. Uh, I'll start really quick because I got my list like handy dandy right. Would you of go me. for your console first? So my console actually went with the Red Mario uh, Limited Edition DS Lite. So oddly enough, that was sitting at about thirty bucks. So okay. thirty one twenty five exactly. Uh, I actually think I went over a little bit here, um, but you know it can be give or take. If you can take a dollar off here and there on these, you'll be fine. Uh, I also went complete in box. So I see really? Ryan, I see Ryan went loose. We flip flop. It's interesting because we didn't like this wasn't premeditated. So we just kind of. So I've, I don't believe in in box for mobile games or portable games just because like I figure you're always going to have a case you're going to have your games in your case with you I mean obviously if they're at home you'd prefer to have them in cases you know and we've got the first the first portable gaming console with like actual like plastic little chips basically well uh boxes yeah everything else up to this point had just been cardboard disposable boxes yeah and see that's that's where I flip-flop with you because when it came down to like Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, uh, and Game Boy, there were plastic holders that yeah, you could buy little, for your loose cartridges yeah. so they're stackable, so they're easy to organize. Whereas with the DS and the 3DS, I always need to be complete because I don't like my cards being thrown all over the place. Or in like all those little organizers and you got to open up every one of the I organizers to find out where the games are. Yep. Absolutely hate it. So I even, when I pick up loose DS games, I make custom cases. Mm. I print out custom cases, cut them to size and throw them in DS cases. Yeah. They're not the right cover art or they're like alternate cover art and stuff, but they're the right size. Get the job done. Yeah, exactly. It's what I need. And so, you know, anything that has a paper box, I'm very much against uh, collecting it as a, um, you know, as a loose, or I mean, as a complete, just because it's pain in the ass. But when it comes down to like clamshell based cases, always complete yeah. for me. And so, yeah, it's funny that we didn't premeditate this and we flip flopped, uh, oddly enough. But uh, the for- games are just so fucking expensive, dude. The DS is so expensive. Like, you can't buy a Pokemon game for the DS for like less than a hundred dollars. I don't complete, think. yeah, like complete at least. So, uh, diving into my list with it being complete here, uh, Final Fantasy three is at the top of my list at $25.06. Why? Why Final Fantasy? So like I never bought any of the Final Fantasy games for DS. I remember these like 3d remakes and I was like a big Final Fantasy person. Like I dug 10 and nine and seven, but the thing in my mind, whenever I would go look at those games and be like, Oh, and then I would remember, dude, this is just like the one where you walk around and you're trying to get like the the crystals and it's super old. And it's like, I've never been compelled by those it really was, old RPGs. And I was just like, I'm not going to fall for this. It was the first one that dove into changing your job classes. Okay. It so was that one. There's some fun involved in that. Uh, I believe it was Super Nintendo initially on release for this. So realistically where else are you going to get it to play it so ds is obviously the right move in that regard and having a ds it made sense and in general it's final fantasy and from a budget perspective if you're looking to play a good rpg 
and uh, you know on your DS, this would be a good way to go if you're trying to stick within a budget. Otherwise, I think you have four is another option on the DS as well. Um, next game here, if you owned a GameCube and uh, you played Wind Waker, well, you might as well play the sequel of Phantom Hourglass. So 35 bucks for a completing box copy of Phantom Hourglass. You're getting all of that great Zelda gameplay, all of it being a sequel. Wind Waker, out of all the Zelda games I've ever played, artistically is probably one of my favorites, which is odd because I normally hate that style of artwork. Yeah. But I love Wind Waker. So much fun. And so I think part of it's because, like, the sailing component and, like, the boat. So, you know, Hourglass would be a great I, game to pick up. I had that game. I lent it to my friend's brother who was in the hospital. I have the case still. And I have uh, the special edition, like, hardbound guide for nice. it. Yeah. But I, I don't have the actual game. Well, the good thing is it's 35 bucks complete in box, so loose is probably not that bad. You can always pick it up down the road. Uh, the next one here is Mario Party DS. A lot of this is more nostalgia, playing in the car with my brother and sister. Uh, and I like Mario Party in general. And the DS version, I mean, it was a good time whenever you're sitting back and didn't have much else going on in the car because we had like an hour and 15, sometimes two-hour commute home, depending on traffic. And so it was It was nice to be able to sit back and do party games like that. And we got really good at it. And we just always had a good time. Mario Kart DS, uh, 15, or 1497 on that one. Prior one here was a 1540 to Mario Party. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Mario Kart. Like, we all know this. Yeah. I love Mario Kart. Of course, Double Dash is my favorite. But, you know, looking back on it, being able to play, again, in the car, the nostalgia aspect... Being able to play that title was always a ton of fun. And then some of those levels, I think, actually uh, ended up on later Mario games, like Mario Kart 8 uh, has some of these levels built in as well. And I just always enjoyed it, dude. Like, Mario Kart's always a ton of fun. It's easy to play. It's a great game to introduce kids to. It's a great game to just play as an adult. Because This is a can... good Mario Kart, too. Like, yeah. I mean, I've never played a bad Mario Kart. But this is a really good one. I yeah, think that it's not it like has a lot of really good courses on it. And it was also the first one to... No, no. Double Dash came out before this, right? Uh, I would have to look at the years. But... I just... I always remember this one because it has like that really cool like white indie car with just like the red M on the hood. And Mario's like jumping over it. I always like like remember this being the one where it's like... Oh, they've got like all kinds of different cars and you can change the tires and stuff like that customization mechanic started to come into Mario at this point. Double Dash would have been before this because if this came out in 2000 and would we say 2004 yeah. on the console? Yeah, actually it would have been around the same time. I can never remember when the GameCube was released, but I know I was in middle school at that time. Um, so, yeah, I, I always like Mario Kart games. Truly enjoy them a lot, and uh, even if it's just uh, matters, the year before two thousand four, double dash it. Yeah, so I mean, it's just enjoyable. Uh, the next game I had uh, on my list was New Super Mario Bros. Uh, Fifteen bucks for this one, and actually, New Super Mario Bros. is a best-selling game on the DS at like thirty point eight million copies sold. Uh, so tons of people have this game and tons of people enjoy it as well. Like if you're into platformers, if you're into Mario, of course, then this is the game to get, uh, for sure. And it's just, it's a great game overall. We've seen the new Super Mario Bros type of, like it changed the way that Nintendo, 
um, utilize Mario in their games. So, you know, new Super Mario Bros. Uh, U, new Luigi, or Luigi Super U, whatever you want to call it, Super Luigi U. Uh, even inside of Odyssey, you have some elements of this tied in. In uh, the Mario uh, Maker, you have this type of gameplay as far as like styling and, and what you can do. And so, yeah, it's just, it's always a good time. It's always good to have a Mario game in your list. In this case, I've got uh, three plus the console itself. And then uh, my last game here is a Sonic Classic Collection. So 1668 for this one. Dude, the Sonic Classic Collection, the reason it's on here is this was the first game I actually ever bought for my DS when I bought an actual DS. So, like, I owned other games before this, but um, when I decided, like, finally, like, take the plunge and buy one, like, this is what I had purchased initially to kind of get through my days teaching uh, whenever I didn't have kids around. And I, I would just play Sonic games, and it was just a blast, dude. Like, I, I used to play a lot on the Genesis because growing up uh, we would go to like the neighbor's house and play their Sega Genesis and play Sonic one and two and whatnot. And then uh, my cousin, when he had a Sega Genesis, we would play Sonic games at his place. So there's a lot of nostalgia tied in already. Uh, and it just made sense to buy the Sonic collection. It was like with my discount, I think I got it for like $5 at that point, complete in box. Plus the console. Uh, when I bought my console, I got it dirt, dirt cheap. So little history behind that. Um, you know, we would have trade-ins come in and this guy came in and his console just wasn't working. It just wouldn't turn on. Nothing was happening. And so, uh, manager to shop at the time, uh, before I took over was like, eh, he's like, we can't take it. And I'm like, can I buy it from him? He's like, yeah, if you want to, he's like, I'm not buying it. So I said, okay, cool. When I was like, dude, I'll give you five bucks. And I'm like, it doesn't work. You know, I'm going to have to clean it, fix it, see what's going on. I'll give you five bucks, you know, take the risk. And he's like, all right, fine. So I bought it from him for five bucks and it literally was just like, once I opened it up, I realized his battery was bad and I just got a replacement battery and I was good to go. go. And that was it. So <laughs> like it ended up working out and uh, you know, we didn't have any spare batteries at the shop at that time. So we weren't going to buy yeah. it and take the risk. Uh, so yeah, I ended up uh, picking it up. And so Sonic was one of those. I got dirt cheap and just, yeah, it's a ton of fun, man. Old Sonic games are always a, a great time and being able to play on a DS was just as good. So uh, my total list came out to uh, 153.35. Uh, obviously, you can, cheater. Obviously, you can give. I always cheat. You're a obviously, cheater. You can give or take a few dollars here, or there. It's and, not how it works, John. Yeah, it does. If you if you pull all these games, I don't up, understand how you got. How did you get six like all really high price complete inbox game for this like. I was dying. I couldn't pick any of these games. Like I didn't spend. You know what it is, Ryan? It's it's just I got a better list. That's what it is. You know, you got, like you got a tough a tough one this week. But when when the people decide and they're on Facebook, on you know at the Game Deflators and Instagram on at the Game Deflators and on the Game and at Game Deflators on Twitter, when they're on those social media platforms, Ryan, they're commenting on this. They're gonna say John won, hundred percent. Well, when all those people go on and vote. I hope that they remember, you know, that besides Mario and Zelda and Sonic, there are other video game characters. Well, I look at Not the first game on your to list. John's world. So I do have a Mario game. You can't have the DS without Mario Kart DS. Uh, it's just an auto include. So I definitely put that on here. Lose 1047. I went a different route for the 
RPG though. You know, I always like to have a diverse list with a little bit of something for everybody. I went with Golden Sun Dark Dawn. Uh, Golden Sun is a terrific GBA game. There's a terrific follow-up game to that on the DS. Uh, I really hope that this franchise does get some revival at some point. Um, it really does need it, actually. I would love to have this on the on the Switch, and I would totally buy into it right away. Yeah, loose uh, fifteen ninety five for that one. Uh, next up, I went with Animal Crossing Wild World uh, eighteen twelve. Animal Crossing was a game that I really liked on GameCube, but I feel like it's not compelling enough to just sit there and do. Like Animal Crossing is definitely a background side thing that you're doing while watching TV or whatever, in my opinion. So this is Animal Crossing on the go. Um, I think that it definitely launched, you know, or helped to carry forward the momentum because Animal Crossing has been like a pretty successful game with each iteration. People really like that down to earthness. And I mean, I definitely did not play this game. But with how much I've enjoyed, you know, my time in New Horizons and stuff, I think that this is definitely one that would be worth picking up and revisiting. Well, you mentioned they're all good, but I would think the Wii U owners disagree with that version of Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually do. So I picked hey, up that. Hey, again, another console one. I, I picked up that version of Animal Crossing for like $4 from a GameStop on clearance complete in box with the like the box set. Mm-hmm. Deal. Like it was crazy. Go on though. Go on. Let's see. Uh next up, and John, I think that you'll respect this since you were just watching South Park. I've actually never played this game, but in my mind, Eric Cartman trying to get Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars for the Nintendo DS stands out in my mind. Like I, I often hear Nintendo DS and think of Cartman talking about Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars for Nintendo <laughs> DS. And like I I think that it was a big, bold move putting that type of franchise on that type of console. Uh, I remember that while not being, you know, the best game, it was, you know, pretty well received. I think people liked what it tried to do and, and had that opportunity. And I think it was a good push to try to expand into, you know, bringing some more mature titles and stuff to the console. Um, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but it reminded me the other day I was rewatching the uh, Red Dead Redemption episode of uh, South Park. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, oh, no, there's been another school shooting. God, I just want to start my life in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> and every time like something happened, we're like, oh, yeah, I have to go to this location. It's like you're playing Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> South Park always calls out, you know, uh, video game stuff. I guess I guess those are both Rockstar games, too. Yeah, they are. Funny enough. Yeah. Um, Next one. So this one's weird. I don't have a lot of affinity for Kirby. I don't either. I think that my best Kirby memories are this, which is Kirby Squeak Squad, and uh, Crystal... Crystal Shard. Crystal Shards for 64. Those are like really the only two Kirby games I've spent much time with. So I've heard that Epic Yarn is actually very good. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, but I did really like Squeak Squad. I went on like a cruise or something as a kid and I had this game and I loved all the different transformations, especially like the UFO and stuff. Uh, I think it was just a fun, great, you know, light platformer. 
Uh, I wanted something like that on here. And since I'm not, you know, super big into Mario either, I guess, I, I figured I'd throw the Kirby out there. Uh, next up, Professor Layton and the Curious Village. I love this game. I love the art style of Professor Layton. I like that the, you know, puzzle elements are, you know, something to get you thinking and, and doing something a little different. I, I really think that, you know, they did a lot with these series. I think they even went on and made like a couple movies or like a TV show or something. I, I thought that the... The world and the characters and everything is very charming with these games. So I wanted to give them some love. Uh, that's $10.99 loose. And then lastly, this is a game. I think I bought this game three times and traded it in three times. Jeez. Uh, Elite Beat Agents. What the hell is it? You've never heard of this. So this is a um, touchscreen rhythm game. Oh, With I have, like I a have. bunch of like really, you know great music from like the past uh it's very fun it's based off of a japanese series where it's the same kind of thing like you're basically kind of like in this one you're agents but in the original japanese one you're like more like a, a cheer squad yeah. and there's these uh songs and they're all like vignette stories of like just something going on and then you show up as like these guys to like cheer on the main character and like hit all the prompts and stuff you know in time with the music to get a good score and and help complete the story and they had like uh, a babysitter to uh walkie talkie man that's great they've got like um material girl and all kinds of really good music i love the visual i love the comedy I do like rhythm games, and this is a really, really fun one. Like, anybody who has a DS, I I can't recommend this game enough. Like, it's absolutely a must-have for everybody. It's only $13.70 loose. Like, I, this is a game that I always remember seeing at Target for $5 on the clearance aisle. And I should have bought every copy of them and given them away to people. Nice. Uh, you say rhythm games, and the first thing that comes into my mind is Guitar Hero on the DS, and just how difficult that was to People play. People dug that, though. I had a friend who really liked that. It had that whole attachment thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it, personally. I could never get into it. I preferred the actual Guitar Hero. Yeah. So, that's a good list. Uh, you know, I don't know if it beats mine, Ryan. So, I total out at 150.72. Cheater. Uh, so, I guess if you just say that the DS Lite isn't an even $40... Uh, you know, I f I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Sounds Dude, good. Dude, I can't tell you how many times I'm going through these lists and it's like, man, I need 50 cents. I got to get rid of this game and yep. find a game that's good enough, but only 50 cents cheaper. And then I just go through, I'm like, yeah, it's $3. Cheats. Yeah, I just cheat. So, but you know what? I, I think my list is this good. This was a tough one, man. Like lots of DS games are really expensive. And it's weird. If you go to price charting and look at the list, there's a lot of non-sale items yeah that i think are like basically like pokemon giveaways that you would get in stores like i thought you could just copy pokemon and trade for them online but i guess it's still really hard to get a dark cry or something i don't know i don't know uh and before anybody uh comments and are like oh use price charting well price charting is actually pretty accurate i know some people like use 
other like game eye i think is one of them that people are well, using you can now. use whatever yeah. you want i mean we're we're setting a budget we're using everything from the same resource so we're going with that obviously your mileage may vary yeah exactly yeah and honestly i mean it pulls the aggregate from different websites usually ebay and if you're going to do ebay buy it now like that's yeah. yeah i mean we've been using price charting for for years at this point i mean you know it's not that we have like any particular you know allegiance allegiance or affinity i just think that it's a really well organized website i can find all the answers that i want and it gives me what i feel is good reliable information i mean for the most part nobody's paying the same price for any two used things on the internet anyway yeah exactly so it's always going to vary uh well that was fun i do think i won ryan 100% thing I want, unless you call me a cheater, uh, which I definitely Dude, am. I mean, you have you have a lot of stuff on your list that's, like, pretty top tier. I mean, I definitely have, like, you know, a second stringer list here. I mean... But I think that, it, you know, we, uh, you know, both covered certain areas, some of us more than others, Well, obviously. and if I, if I uh, decided to go loose... I could pull all of those games I had on yeah, there and, and more. get some more. Yeah, I know. That's the thing that's crazy. Like, I got seven games here. You got six. And you had a $35 game. My most expensive game was 20 bucks. I don't understand how you did so much more than I did on this one. But I think... Uh, and a $25 game, too. Yeah, I think it's up to everybody else out there. Let us know who you think won. Uh, let us know if Elite Beat Agents is, in fact, the best DS game. And let us know what console you would like to see a starter kit showdown for next. Maybe 3DS, also expensive. Yeah, $150. I'll spend 100 for the 3DS and yep. and $50 for a Pokemon game. Yeah, we'll have to do a little more money in that. <laughs> Not even $50 for Pokemon. $50 for a knockoff Pokemon game. All right, well, uh, this has, of course, been a new episode of the Game of Flavors podcast covering uh, collecting on a budget for the Nintendo DS my name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.